excited about today's uh, message and the series that we've been in. You know, we ended off last year, 2020, by really uh, kind of gleaning from God's word. How do we look forward and move on from the past in a healthy way, in a proper way, according to the scripture? And I feel like God set us up for this series because I didn't plan it out this way. We've been on a series that we started last week entitled The Dream Lives On. And as we began to learn last week, God has dreams for your life. How many of you believe that? You believe that? I pray that you do believe that because the scriptures reveal that. And there are purposes and a sure and secure future that God has promised to each and every one of us. But the thing about those dreams is, those, those, God's dreams is that they cannot come to fruition if your dreams are not aligned with God's dreams first. And it really comes down to priority. Is God's dream more important than whatever you can conceive? I want you to consider the scriptures. We looked at this verse last week, and we're going to look at it again. It's foundational to what we're talking about. In 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 9, it says this, However, it is written, What no eye has seen, what no ear has heard, and what no human mind has conceived. Listen closely. The things that God has prepared for those who, who love him. I want you to take a moment to let this word sip, uh, seep into your heart. I want it to simmer in your heart. I want you to chew on it. I want you to think about what the scripture is saying. Because God's dream for your life do not fit within the limits of what you see, what you hear, and what you think. I'll tell you why. Because they're bigger. They're bigger. Now for some of us in the face of big things, we go, <gasps> But let me tell you, that's how big God is. And God wants us to expand our hearts, expand our territories. And so last week, we began our study by looking to the life of a dreamer named Joseph. And as we saw last week, God has had big dreams for him. Joseph was destined to be a ruler. He was destined to be a man of great influence. As a matter of fact, he was the one that will lead the charge in birthing Israel while they were in the land of Egypt so that they could eventually come out a strong nation. But as we saw last week, he began on the wrong foot by limiting God's dream to his own. You see, Joseph thought that God's dream for his life, when he saw himself, his sheave rising above his brothers, he thought that that meant that he would come out from under the abuse and, and, and the ridicule that the, his brothers repeatedly inflicted upon him. Joseph thought that in coming out of the authority of his parents that he would have the ability to rise above them all. But that wasn't God's dream at all. This wasn't about his current situation right there. This was about the kingdom of God being advanced and God establishing something great. And so today I'd like to talk to you on the topic, when life puts your dreams on hold. I'm going to say that again. When life puts your dream on hold. See, as a result of the dream that started off like, uh, that started off with this great dream from God, this great vision from God, it quickly became a nightmare for Joseph because of the disdain of his brothers that evolved into hatred and seemingly brought God's plans for Joseph's life to a halt. And the truth is that there are times when, uh, where the dreams that God has placed in your heart appear to be on hold. It's not that life puts your dreams on hold per se, but listen closely, it's how you respond 
to life's circumstances and how it impacts you as a result of that response that affects God's dreams for your life. And so it could be the choices and actions of others. It could be because of obstacles created by unexpected circumstances. It could be because of mistakes and missteps that you and I have taken. See, it's in these moments where it is critical that we know how to respond correctly so that we do not hinder, hinder nor lengthen the journey towards God's dreams for our lives. And so the Bible says that one day Joseph's father decided that he would send him to a land called Shechem. He would send him to Shechem to go uh, see how his brothers were faring and how the, the sheep were doing, how the flocks were doing. And he sent, he sent them out there with the intention of Joseph coming back and reporting to him what was going on. And if a quick study of Genesis 34 tells us the concern why uh, Jacob would send Joseph out there. See, in, in Genesis 34, what we see is that uh, the sons of Jacob uh, rose up against the men of Shechem and they killed them. And the reason why they killed them was because one of their sisters suffered abuse at the hands of one of these men. And so when Jacob tells Joseph, go over there, he's sending him on a dangerous mission. As a matter of fact, if you study this out, you'll see that he's sending him about 50 miles away from home. And the scripture says that when Joseph arrives there, that his brothers are not there and he gets a whiff. Uh, he, get, he gets a whiff, he hears from someone that they have moved on to a place called Dothan, which is another 15 miles away. And so Joseph travels all this way, and when he arrives at Dothan, everything goes haywire. Everything goes wrong as he comes upon his brothers. Let's see how Joseph navigated through this difficult time when it appeared that his dream was tanking. In Genesis 37, verse 18, it starts off by saying, But they saw him in the distance, and before he reached them, they plotted to kill him. Here comes that dreamer, they said to each other. Come now, let's kill him and throw him into one of these cisterns and say that a ferocious animal devoured him. A cistern was a sort of like a well. It was a, 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 a hole in the ground. Uh, that went, it could have gone up to 100 feet, according to uh, Bible scholars. And what they were used for was to catch rain in order to gather water. And so these guys are literally thinking about throwing him into this cistern and killing him. And they go on to say why they would do it. In verse 20, it says, then we'll see what comes of his dreams. The attempt here is to kill the dream. Verse 21, when Reuben heard this, he tried to rescue him from their hands. I want you to remember that point. Let's not take his life, he said. Don't shed any blood. Throw him into this cistern here in the wilderness, but don't lay a hand on him. Reuben said this to rescue him from, uh, uh, rescue him and take him back to his father. And so when Joseph came to his brothers, they stripped him of his robe. The ornate robe he was wearing. We'll talk more about that in a second. And they took him and threw him into the cistern. The cistern was empty. There was no water in it. And as they sat down to eat their meal, check out how these guys are approaching this. They just threw their brother into a well, and these guys sit to enjoy a meal. And so as they sat down to eat their meal, they looked up and saw a caravan of Ishmaelites coming from Gilead. 
Their camels were loaded with spices, balm, and myrrh, and they were on their way to take them down to Egypt. And Judah said to his brothers, What will we gain if we kill our brother and cover up his blood? Come, let's sell him to the Ishmaelites and not lay our hands on him. After all, he is our brother, our own flesh and blood. His brothers agreed. And so when the Midianite merchants came by, his brothers pulled Joseph out of the cistern and sold him for 20 shekels of silver to the Ishmaelites, who took him to Egypt. And when Reuben returned to the cistern and saw that Joseph was not there, he tore his clothes. He went back to his brothers and said, the boy isn't there. Where can I turn now? In the Hebrew, here's literally what Reuben is saying. How long can I live from this point forward after this happens? That's what he's saying in the Hebrew. He was regretful. Verse 31, then they got Joseph's robe, slaughtered a goat, and dipped the blood, dipped the robe in the blood. They took the ornate robe back to their father and said, we have found this. Examine it to see whether it's your son's robe. And he recognized it and said, it's my son's robe. Some ferocious animal has devoured him. Joseph has surely been torn to pieces. And then Jacob tore his clothes, put on sackcloth, and mourned for his son many days. All his sons and daughters came to comfort him, but he refused to be comforted. No, he said, I will continue to mourn until I join my son in the grave. And so his father wept for him. Meanwhile, the Midianites sold Joseph in Egypt to Potiphar, one of Pharaoh's officials, the captain of the guard. And so as we can see from these events, Joseph's dream, the dream and the vision that he had received from God quickly went sour in the worst of ways. Listen, the disdain of his brothers went from dislike to hate to desires to outright murder him and eventually led them to abandon him instead to a life of slavery, which was just as bad. Now, here's a question. Here's something to think about. What do you do when those who are supposed to love you and have your back kick you to the curb? What do you do when the very people that God is showing you are a part uh, of an integral, they're an integral part of his plans for your life? What do you do when they turn on you and detract your progress? What do you do when God's plan, when God's dream for your life seems impossible and your only option appears to give up? You know, it's natural to question what's your next step when faced with difficult circumstances that seemingly detract God's plan for you. But we would be wise to look beyond our questions and the plans that we make in an attempt to try and get God back on track. Listen, while Joseph was in a bad situation, we see that God was making a way for him still. And I think that each and every one of us should pause at this moment because for some of us, there are dreams that we've buried. There are dreams that we've given up on. There's a word from God that you received full of faith and you have let that dream die or so it would appear. I'm here to tell you that God is still in the mist and God can resurrect any dead dream and bring it back to life. 
because he is a redeemer, he is a restorer, he is the one that lifts you up and exalts you when everyone else has given up on you and it appears that your dream has died. Now listen, the robe that Joseph wore was not only an indication of the love and favor that his father had for him. You got to understand something. It was also an indication of the love and favor of God that covered him. I love Joseph's name. I'll tell you why, because it's my name. Jose is Joseph in Spanish. But I'll tell you what Joseph means. Joseph means God will increase. God will increase. And that is Joseph's story. See, it's the reason why one of the very brothers who hated him, who was in the midst of this plot, Reuben, sought to have him spared from the hands that would bring about his death. And so how do we respond when dreams appear to be on hold? Well, I'm so glad you asked that because I want us today to turn to the scriptures and look at what the word of God says. The first thing I want to give you here is that when life appears uh, to put your dream on hold, God isn't. I'm going to say that again. When life appears to put your dream on hold, God isn't. Listen closely. Though Joseph's brothers hated him, though they had betrayed him, though he was now relegated to a life of slavery in Egypt where Jews, by the way, were detested, though all this had come to pass, though traction towards the dream appeared to be on hold, though it appeared that it was all lost, it was all dead, it was all on hold, God was not on hold. God was not and God is not on hold. Listen, while Joseph was in chains and surrounded by his captors on a road that appeared to be leading him far from his purpose and his destiny, God was still working. The scriptures say that the God that we serve is the God of yesterday, the God of today, and the God of forevermore. The scripture says that God is unchanging. The scripture says that what God has decreed will not return to him empty. It will accomplish what he has sent it out for. I am telling you, I am reminding you that the God in your yesterdays is the God in your present circumstances who's still working for you, and he's the God who's awaiting you in the midst of the promise that is to come for your life. Don't give up. Don't let the dream die. It lives on, but you must respond correctly. God is not on hold. Hmm. Listen, we serve the God that changes caterpillars into butterflies. We serve the God that changes sand into pearls. We serve the God that changes coal into diamonds, despite the time and the pressure that all these things endure. Listen closely. God is still in the midst producing something of value. God is still at work in your life, no matter the pressure, no matter the circumstances. So just remember that when the pressure is high, when his plans seem afar off, when you think your time has passed, the dream lives on because God has not forgotten you. Don't take my word for it. Take God at his word. Listen to Psalm 112, verses 6 through 8. Surely, I'm going to say that again. Surely, I'm going to say that one more time. Surely, 
without question. You can bank on this. You can, you can take this to the bank. You can count on it. It is sure and secure. Surely the righteous, I pray somebody can say, that's me. Listen, surely the righteous will never be shaken. You may shake, but your foundation is not shaken. You are planted upon a solid rock. Jesus said that the gates of hell, the resistance of hell, cannot prevail against the church. That's you. And so he says, surely the righteous will never be shaken. They will be remembered forever. They will have no fear of bad news. Somebody needs to hear this. Why are you trembling at what you're hearing? Why are you shaking as if you are not the righteousness of God? As if God has forgotten you. As if God is not present. And so he says, they will have no fear of bad news. Their hearts are steadfast, trusting in the Lord. Their hearts are secure. They will have no fear. In the end, they will look in triumph on their foes. Listen. You may forget the dream, but according to the scriptures here, we see that God doesn't. You might forget your calling. You might forget your identity. You might forget what the word of God declares, but God does not. So instead of <laughs> focusing on the setbacks, why not start focusing and trusting God for the setup because you are secure according to the scriptures. And in the end, you will triumph if you continue to stand in that which God has already decreed over your life. Hmm. The second thing I want to leave you with here today is that when God's dreams appear, when God's dream appears to be failing, his favor is still prevailing. I'm going to say that again. When God's dream appears to be failing, his favor is still prevailing. It's still at work in your life. Listen, while Joseph was a slave in his circumstances, Joseph was not a slave to those circumstances. Let me prove that to you from scripture. Genesis 39, starting at verse 1, says, Now Joseph had been taken down to Egypt. Potiphar, an Egyptian who was one of Pharaoh's officials, the captain of the guard, bought him from the Ishmaelites who had taken him there. And the Lord was with Joseph so that he prospered. <laughs> and he lived in the house of his Egyptian master. I just heard the Spirit say this. Your location cannot impact God's favor. Some of us are like, oh, but I'm just down and out in life. I'm struggling in life. Those things do not deter nor determine the favor of God on your life. They do not stop the favor on your life. If you choose to succumb to them and believe in them, then you put a stop. You cease. It's not that God is powerless. It's just that you're saying, no, God, I'm better off here, stuck. Well, anyway, moving right along. Verse 2, the Lord was with Joseph so that he prospered and he lived in the house of his Egyptian master. And when his master saw that the Lord was with him and that the Lord gave him success in everything he did, Joseph found favor in his eyes and became his attendant. Potiphar, 
put him in charge of his household, and he entrusted to his care everything he owned. From that time, he put in charge of his he put him in charge of his household and all that he owned. The Lord blessed the household of the Egyptian because of Joseph. The blessing of the Lord was on everything Potiphar had, both in the house and in the field. And so Potiphar left everything he had in Joseph's care. With Joseph in charge, he did not concern himself with anything except the food he ate. You know, this portion of Joseph's life is near and dear to me because it has repeatedly encouraged me and given me direction in some of the most difficult times. I remember early on in earlier years, my wife and I, we worked at the same company. And while we were working in the same company, I, I, the only way I can explain it is the favor of God. We received promotions that we didn't have the experience for. We received, we, we, we were given bonuses when nobody else got bonuses. We were given raises when there were salary freezes. When everything was going down, we were going up. While everybody else was struggling and what they were doing, we were excelling. And it was God's favor. But you see, for me, I had a limited view in those days. I didn't quite understand what was happening. It was the favor of God. And so in the midst of this, I, I had gotten to a point where I was beginning to climb into the, the, the lower rungs of management. And I remember when I stepped into this, to this first management position that everything was just flourishing. It was like King Midas. Everything that he touched turned to go. It was like it just flourished. It prospered. Staff, programs, milestones, income, revenue, all these things. It was all just flourishing. And so very quickly at the onset of this, uh, there began to be some talk about me stepping into a directorship, which was really good. Yes, it was more responsibility. Yes, there was more to do. Yes, it would require more of my time. But it also came with a lot more income. And with two little kids and a wife, let me tell you, I was looking forward to that door opening up. And so I was in charge of a few different programs. And, and one program that I was in charge of was at a specific location. And I had a conversation with uh, the gentleman uh, who, was, who, who provided oversight uh, uh, for us as vendors. So we were there to do a job for them. And so I had a conversation based on the questions that he asked me, right? I was responsible to do that. When I got to the office the next day, that, that, that later on that day, my supervisor, who was on the executive level staff, says to me, Jose, I understand that you had a conversation with such and such person about this. I said, yes. I answered the questions that he asked me. I, we're the vendor. He asked me those questions. He wanted those responses, so I gave it to them. Well, she gave me a letter, and she stated in that letter that I was being written up for insubordination. So here's basically what that means. I was a rogue agent. I, took, I disregarded my supervisor. I, I disregarded the interests of our company, and I went off on my own and did something that I was not supposed to knowingly, and I hurt the, the, the mission and the vision and the goals of the, of, the, of the company. Well, let me tell you, that's not what I did, and... That wasn't my intentions. At that moment, I was steaming hot. You ever feel your ears get red? <laughs> yeah, that, that's, a, that's a whole nother level of frustrated. So I feel my ears getting red. My hand is shaking. Man, I just want to blow. And I specifically hear the Holy Spirit say to me, don't say a word. And so I stood silent. 
Now, you got to understand the implications of this write-up. It did not just mean that this would go in my file. This meant that any raises, any promotions, there was no movement for me. And this would be in my file for the next six months. Guess what? There went that opportunity for that directorship. And so the very next day, I show up in the office, and I'm walking down a hallway to go to my office, and all of a sudden, I just feel this nudge, go the other way and make sure you pass by Carol's office. And so I turned around, went all the way around the other side of the office and walked by her office, and I said, good morning, Carol. You could have sworn her neck fell off her shoulders because she did a double take like I've never seen. It's like you heard something pop, right? She was not expecting that. For the next six months, I showed up to work every day, and I did my job with excellence. I didn't explain myself to anyone. I didn't tell anyone anything. I acted as if this was the opportunity that I had because it was, and I did it faithfully. I did it with excellence. I did not present an attitude. I did not speak ill against her. I did not go and talk to Juanita, who's at the window. I did not go talk to Pito, who hangs out on the corner, waiting for somebody to tell them what's going on, what's all the gossip in the office. I kept my mouth quiet, and I said, Lord, I will do what you've called me to do. Well, let me tell you, six months to the day, I get a call from the HR uh, manager, and he says to me, I just, I'm just giving you a call today to let you know we're removing this from your file. Would, would, would you not know that within days, not even weeks, days, that same week, a directorship opens up? And guess who recommended this child of God for that position? The very one that meant me, meant, meant for my harm, the very one that tried to keep me down, the very one who came against me is the very one who exalted me. Listen, like Joseph, people may try to keep you down. Life circumstances may even seem to put you down, and it might appear like you have no path towards God's promise for your life. But you see, life's failures cannot negate God's favor. No one can negate the favor of God at work on your life. Don't take my word for it. Let's listen to what God says. Psalm 92, verse 12, says, You have exalted my horn. That term horn there speaks of strength and honor, like that of a wild ox. Fine oils have been poured on me. That's speaking of anointing, God's power, God's authority. My eyes have seen the defeat of my adversaries. My ears have heard the rout of my wicked foes. The righteous will, will flourish like a palm tree. The palm tree there signifies victory. Uh, they will grow like a cedar of Lebanon. When the scriptures refer to the cedars of Lebanon, it's referring to strength. Planted in the house of the Lord, they will flourish in the courts of our God. So we're going to go back and read this. But I'm going to read it to you the way the Hebrew says it. It says, you have exalted my strength and honor like that of a wild ox. Your anointing has been poured on me. My eyes have seen the defeat of my adversaries. Your ears have heard the rout of your wicked foes. You will flourish like a palm tree in victory. And you will grow like a cedar to, to be strong. And you are planted in the house of the Lord. And you will flourish in the courts of your God. Don't tell me that life's circumstances got you down. You are never down. You are risen with Christ. You are a victor, not a victim. You are more than a conqueror in Christ Jesus. The last point that I want to leave you here with today is this. It's that just because the dream appears dead 
doesn't mean you have to die. Let me say that again. Just because God's dream in your life, what he's giving you appears dead, does not mean that you have to die. Listen, in the face of great opposition, Joseph could have let God's dream die and allow himself to shrivel up. But instead, we find Joseph approaching life and the circumstances before him with vigor. Listen closely. Instead of grumbling and complaining, instead of rebelling and attempting to find an easy way out of his circumstances, instead of finding the easy way out and trying to escape, Joseph pressed onward through his challenges. He served his slave master with excellence. And the scriptures reveal that it produced blessing in his life. What I want you to get here is this, is that Joseph did not stop living. Listen, if you still have life, you are still a useful vessel for God's blessing to flow. Ecclesiastes chapter 9 verse 10 says this, whatever your hand finds to do, do it with all your might. That word might there speaks of strength. It speaks of produce. It speaks of wealth. And so what the scripture says here is that whatever your hand finds to do, what you have strength to do, what you have the ability to produce, the resources, the wealth that he's placed in your hand, Whatever you have in your hand, whatever God has given your hands to find, you should do. And you should do it with all your might. Watch this. For in the realm of the dead, where you are going, there is neither working, nor planning, nor knowledge, nor wisdom. What is God saying here? Right now, every single day, every single moment, right here in this moment, you have life. You have opportunity to do something with your hands. I can't. It's not biblical. How is I can't possible when God says you can do all things through Christ who is your strength? Come on now, about two of you got that. Listen, the moment you say, I can't, here's what you're saying. God, you can't. You know, you know what we're really saying when we say, I can't? We're saying, God, I won't. I won't. So when in the face of circumstances that challenge your faith in God's dream, in those moments where everything appears dead, God says, put your hands to work. Seize the opportunities. Dream again. Take steps forward. Because you see, now's the opportunity you have. Don't wait till the day when you have no strength, no ability. See, if you're waiting for the sweet by and by, let me tell you, that's where dreams die. You're waiting on God, and what you don't realize is that God is waiting on you. He's waiting on you. And so when in the face of circumstances that challenge your faith in God's dream, you can either do or you can die, but you cannot do both. You can't do both. You can lay down and give up, but there is no work to accomplish when you lay down and you give up. 
There's no dream to plan towards when you lay down and give up. There's no increase in knowledge and wisdom for a way out when you lay down and give up. So instead of laying down, set your hands to what they can do as opposed to what you believe you can't do. I want you to stand here with me today and I want you to extend your hands. I literally want you to extend your hands. You know, the scripture says in Mark chapter 6 that the disciples said, man, it, it'll take eight months' wages to feed these people. And Jesus says, bring me what you have. What's in your hand? And the scripture says that the disciples bring it into the hands of Jesus and Jesus took it from out of their authority and he brought it under his, he blessed it, he broke it, and then he gives it back to them and he says, now you go distribute it. And the scripture declares that it multiplied Amen. and it multiplied and it blessed many, but it also blessed the kingdom, but it also blessed the very ones who gave it. Listen closely, ladies and gentlemen. Instead of laying down, set your hands to what they can do. Joseph did not lie down in the face of what seemed to be a dead promise. Instead, Joseph did what he could, and God did what he couldn't. God's dream for your life lives on. Hey everybody, thank you so much for joining us here at Church of the Bridge today. I pray that you had a personal encounter with God, that he spoke to you powerfully, and that he met you at your place of need with this message. I also want to encourage you to go ahead and subscribe to our YouTube page. By doing so, you'll be able to check out past messages, uh, past events that we've done. You'll also be able to see what's happening now and those things that are to come. And lastly, I'd like to invite you to join with us in all that God is doing with your giving. Feel free to do so on our website. Again, thank you again for joining us, and I can't wait to connect with you next week.